Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. I believe we have a chance to break some news today, people. It might be that kind of show. We're getting some reports in Panthers land. That we could see... A new coach named for Carolina. I believe that was just a warning sign. That is the sound that you need to hear and listen for in case we have some breaking news. Here it is. Play it one more time so that people know what's coming at them at at, at some point. That's it. If if you hear that, maybe do we need to just break that soundbite off into a land where it's only used for the coaching search? Or do we want to have that in case we do have other breaking news as well? What kind of dynamic producer feedback would you give to that, Fiddy? Do we just reserve that for a possible coaching candidate today? Eh. You know, great feedback. I appreciate you. Uh, was, I'm glad we were able to talk about that. That's fantastic. So let's dive right on in and uh, get off of the bus about the Carolina Panthers coaching search today on Wesson Walker. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Oh, Fiddy, I appreciate it. (laughs) Who knows? We didn't figure out anything there. The reason we could possibly break some news today is the fact that we do have the end of the road near about this Carolina Panthers head coaching search. Ian Rappaport spoke about that on the NFL Network just last night. Did he? Yeah, the Carolina Panthers are getting closer. They have whittled their search down, it appears, to two names. Of course, interim coach Steve Wilkes getting a really strong look yesterday. I had his second interview and still is in the mix. Of course, given the job he did as an interim coach, getting this team back to, to respectability, something that is not lost in this organization. And then Frank Reich, who, of course, has family in Carolina. The first quarterback ever for the Carolina Panthers had his second interview today. My understanding is he has given extremely strong consideration. Nothing is done yet, but Reich is going to get a long, hard look here. It would be a great story if this happened. Kellen Moore had a second interview today as well, but he is now headed home. Meanwhile, the Indianapolis Colts also have started the process of their second interviews. Jeff Saturday, the interim coach with a 1-7 record, who wanted to be judged by that record but still is in the mix, potentially as a full-time head coach. He interviewed today Ejiro Evero, the Broncos defensive coordinator, still in the mix there. He has a second interview tomorrow. And then Raheem Morris also scheduled for a second interview. That is later in the week. This process for Indy should stretch into next week. So there you go. Just an overall coaching search update. But the first part being the important with the Carolina Panthers dwindling this thing down to two. Now we do have a tweet from Albert Breer as well discussing how the coaching search is wrapping up. And it's Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich. But that Kellen Moore is still a possibility. He would not discount the Cowboys offensive coordinator here. And he's not out of the race. Wes, what do you think as we come down to Frank Reich, Steve 
Wilkes with maybe a shot, a little bit of an opportunity for Kellen. Everything that you hear, it sounds like it's going to be Frank Reich. Josina Anderson reported that the Panthers won an experienced head coach with an offensive background. Well, it doesn't get more experience or offensive background D than Frank Reich. So I think that's going to be the decision. I think it's going to hit any any day now. It looks like the experience does matter quite a bit for David Tepper because you had a lot of different OCs, and I feel like that is transitioning. I think at first, it seemed like David Tepper and Panthers Brass wanted the new innovative offensive mind going the whole Sean McVay route that got that philosophy so popular. And Ben Johnson was reportedly somebody that David Tepper was very intrigued with, quote, enamored with. And then Ben Johnson took his name out of the running kind of quickly and said, nope, I'm going to be here with Detroit. I'm going to be the OC because we're building something very, uh, very powerful here, hoping to get to the postseason. And now you're going with Frank Reich, who's coached, at a couple of different franchises and was the head coach with the Indianapolis Colts, but just didn't have stability at the quarterback spot. And Steve Wilkes did have a head coaching gear with the Arizona Cardinals. Everybody knows it was not a fair shake at having stability there either as they got rid of him, hired Cliff Kingsbury, and then moved on from Josh Rosen to draft Kyler Murray. So I do think that the experience does matter quite a bit. Are you still in favor of Steve Wilkes if it came down to just these two? Would you rather go Steve Wilkes over Frank Reich? Yeah, I'd go Steve Wilkes. I'm not going to waver. You know, I think that, like I said, the intangibles of his story still uh, weigh a lot to me. And so, um, you know, the players, and he has so much support from so many guys that I put credibility into uh, that I think that he would be good, especially if he was able to uh, come here and be successful. Not to the point where it's at the cost of my 49ers, but, you know, as long as they're successful. <laughs> now, nah, but no, I'm just saying, I, I think it would be a good story and for a guy to come up and for his career to come full circle. It's just a great story all the way around. I think it makes a lot of sense. Not to mention, he did do a solid job uh, in his interim role. Yeah, if you look at some of the ranks for Frank Reich with Indianapolis as the head coach. In 2018, he had Andrew Luck. He had a star quarterback in the league, and they were humming. Seventh in yards, fifth in points, fourth in overall uh, yards plus minus when you're talking about the opposition and what they did. And then Andrew Luck retires, and I don't think we give enough thought into the Luck retiring thing. It was somewhat of a where were you when the news broke because it was so shocking that Andrew Luck, somebody that had a long part of his career left, Left, was deciding to hang it up and he was one of the more uh, one of the more entertaining QBs in all the NFL he did that right before the season started so then you had to institute a new plan in place immediately with Jacoby Brissett as your starting QB and had to roll with him and they were an average offense but that was when you all thought you were going to have Andrew Luck this entire time and then Jacoby Brissett runs through they finished 16th in, uh, I believe, total points. Yeah, in their offensive year in 2019, and I, I, you know, Frank Reich had to had a really hard hand to deal with. 2020, they finished top 10. 2021, they finished top 10. It went horribly wrong this past season. So somebody wrote into the text line. Frank, uh, Frank Reich got fired in November, and Tepper is ready to give this man another job already. So that's something that he's not exactly thrilled with. Um, so, for, I mean, it seems like you're kind of polarized here with the job that he did in Indy, and you don't really want him to be this HC in Carolina. I'm a fan of Steve Wilkes. I would rather have him right now. But I think if you can get both of them on the coaching staff together, even if it would be a tough sell, I think that would be the best case scenario. Yeah, uh, but how- that ain't going to happen. 
would you be in favor of it if it could? That would be great. I mean, to have two, you know, coaches like that of that ilk, I think that would be excellent. That would be a best case scenario for them at this point. I just don't see either one of them. Now, Wilkes is probably going to have to settle for a role, uh, a lesser role with, with either the Panthers or another team. So, yeah, that would be really cool if you could get that to happen. Yeah, I would like that. I don't know if that's going to happen either just because it would be a tough sell for any of these other guys that don't get the job. Hey, would you mind a coordinator position instead of getting this head coaching job? And I'm sure both of them are in the interview process saying, no, I want the head coaching job. I want this to be the actual, uh, you know, I want to be the authority figure here over the entire coaching staff and have my imprint all over it. Um, The thing that's interesting, too, is if you look at what Frank Reich has done developing the quarterback spot, different spots, whether it be with the Chargers in 14 and 15, Philadelphia as the OC in 16, 17, and then with the Colts since 2018, you have had successful offenses, but you're actually kind of gearing back if you're David Tepper to giving a defensive guy a real shot. And if you look at the Carolina coaching tree, every single one of them that they brought on as the head coach came from a defensive background, more so than an offensive background. Matt Rule was the first one that was kind of in the middle, but you're talking about Capers. You're talking about John Fox, Ron Rivera, right? It would. Do you want to see somewhat of an identity change? And I know you've been in favor of Steve Wilkes, but if you're a Panther fan, is that something you would welcome? Hey, we haven't done this before. Maybe that is intriguing to me as a Panther fan, going a different route than we've gone every other time we named a new head coach. Yeah, and George Seifert was the 49ers offensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. So I oh, guess, no, 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 no. Yeah. You're right. He was a D.C. too. Yeah. So okay. I think I think every I think San Francisco I, from that thing. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I, I think everyone, except for Rule, which was kind of in the middle, yeah. everyone pretty much had a defensive background. Yeah, Um. I do think it is time for a little bit of a switch. I think it would be interesting just to see, especially if you bring in, like I said, Reich and some some innovation, seeing the Panthers do some things that maybe you haven't seen before. Because uh, we talked about this morning how the rumors are starting to circulate that the enemy may be leaving uh, Kansas City and the Panthers could be a team on his radar. And so just to have that kind of offense here, just thinking out loud what that would look like if you had all the bells and whistles and a lot of things that a lot of these teams are doing. Um, that would be interesting. But I think all in all, uh, you know, teams and franchises well, franchises have, you know, their own DNAs and their own profiles. Like when you look at the 49ers, even though the 49ers have had a lot of great defensive teams, a lot of people think of offense when they think of them. Steelers always been about defense. Uh, when you look at them. So it, it depends on the organization. And I think the Panthers have uh, established an identity long enough for it to be looked at as a franchise that is about defense and running the ball first. And so I think that's why you see so many defensive coaches uh, being the guy here. All right, let's go around the room. I know you want Steve Wilkes. This is somebody that we've talked about. Number one on the list, if it comes down to Wilkes, Reich, and Kellen Moore, who do you end up uh, who do you think ends up actually oh, getting the job? I think this is a done deal. I think Frank Reich is getting the job. Done from deal. everything that you hear, um, I, I don't see how it wouldn't be him. Okay. Fiddy, who do you think gets the job? I think it's going to be Frank Reich. I think he's the right guy for the job. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. I think the Reich or the right guy? I think he said Reich. But no, I'm just asking him to clarify yeah. again. I think <laughs> The Reich guy. You know if it's Fiddy, he's going to try to sneak in a joke like that. I think Frank Reich seems to be the guy here, too. 
And, and I think this all started off with David Tepper wanting somebody of the offensive ilk. And now when you have someone like Frank Reich, who supposedly impressed in interviews, is of the offensive background, has had success in previous stints before, and now is, is the only one with an offensive background that had any kind of head coaching experience. I think, I think what David Tepper wants is Frank Reich to be this head coach. And I think maybe he's trying to see if Steve Wilkes would want to stick around as that defensive coordinator, but I don't know if that's going to happen. It would be a really tough sell. And we can continue to talk about that as we dive a little bit deeper. Do you think Kellen Moore is actually really in the mix? And Albert Breer is the one that does say like that there is still a possibility, or do you think it really is down just between Wilkes and Reich? I think it is between uh, Coach Wilkes and uh, Coach Reich. And I think, too, for Tepper, I think he likes the fact that it would kind of be a nice wrinkle in his legacy as an owner for him to go against the trend that they've always had defensive coaches and him to be the guy to bring in an offensive guy and him to be the guy that could potentially bring in, you know, like I said, a a dynamic offensive philosophy to this organization. All right, let's dive a little bit deeper into the numbers too and just kind of talk about how crazy this coaching search has been. Has it been one of the more crazy coaching searches we've had in this city? And we've had a couple in the last few years regarding the Carolina Panthers and the Charlotte Hornets. We'll get to all of that on Weston Walker, off and rolling, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Queen City, we are back. Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. I'm in here with Walker Mail, my man Josh Fitty Marlowe, Coaching Carousel, Carolina Panthers head coaching search is the name of the game. We've been talking about it ad nauseum, folks. But soon it looks like it's coming to an end. It looks like we're seeing some light uh, at the end of the tunnel. And the question for this segment, at least, is is Kellen Moore still in the mix? We saw conflicting reports between Albert Breer and Ian Rappaport, who were saying that one said that uh, it was Reich and Wilkes, and then Kellen Moore was kind of on the outskirts, and then another said, whoa, 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 hold the phone. Kellen Moore is still in the mix for this job as this coaching search winds down. What, what are you? Yeah, what? <laughs> What do you believe, Walker? What do you think? Do you really think Kellen Moore is still in this thing? And and if he is, why would you think that he still is? Or why would the Panthers still be considering him? Yeah, I, I'm, maybe he has an outside shot. I think it's down between Frank Reich and Steve Wilkes, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think Kellen Moore really has that much of a shot. You mentioned Josina Anderson putting out there on Twitter that the Panthers want somebody with head coaching experience, want someone with more experience than Kellen Moore does. What's interesting, though, about Moore is after you were interviewing all of these other play callers, Moore actually has more experience than Ben Johnson does, than Mike Kafka does, right? Like, it's weird, but he does, despite him being still kind of considered as a young OC in the NFL. I think it's going to come down between Frank Reich and Steve Wilkes, and I, I wonder just how much David Tepper is not wanting to deliver the bad news to the other guy, right? And and for me, if you're if you're David Tepper and you don't go with Steve Wilkes, who finished 500 after taking over for Matt Rule, and it's somebody that the fan base has gotten behind, it's somebody that the players certainly have vocalized their opinion about, wanting him to be their head coach. And when the players speak, 
you don't have to put a lot of power into that. That's fine. You're the owner. You get to do whatever you want. But it does come with a lot more pressure if you go the opposite direction. It does. No matter how much David Tepper wants to admit it or not, if you care about what your reputation is, then it absolutely comes with more pressure if you don't hire the easier decision, which also I think could be the right decision rather than the right decision, as what Josh Marlowe <laughs> might say. So if you go with Steve Wilkes, then I think you buy more time and you get, okay, you you can go a year, you can go a couple of years, and then you say, look, this was the decision to make after he goes six and six, and I don't think people will be crushing you if it does go awry. But if you go Frank Reich and it doesn't work out in the next two seasons, Think about what you will have done in your tenure as the owner of the Panthers organization. If Reich doesn't work out, and Matt Rule certainly did not work out, then you're talking about having won, you know, a blank amount of games that never led to any playoff contention if it goes so poorly. Yeah, man. I mean, that's going to be interesting to see if David Tepper does kind of go not against the grain, but Frank Reich is somewhat of the riskier decision between the two because Steve Wilkes, I I think, does come with a little cushion and the backlash or lack thereof. What do you think will have to happen, though, for, for this to come to fruition for Keller Moore to get the job? I mean, I feel like it would have to be absolutely just disastrous at this point on second interviews and I don't necessarily see that happening. Happening, Keller Moore must have been quite impressive. I mean, when you look at his numbers, I know Fitty, you know, he, he's not going to like it. But, I mean, his numbers are pretty impressive as a coordinator outside of 2020. But the last two years, he's had a top 10 offense in yards. He's had a top five offense in points. I mean, that's what I'm looking for if I want a coordinator to become my next head coach. I want to see that you're putting up elite numbers. And that's elite. So, I think that's one reason why he could still be in the mix because I think his resume is strong. I don't know what type of cosigns he has because we know it's always about who you know in industries too. And maybe Tepper's talking to some people behind the scenes that are saying, no, look, you know, don't get it twisted from that last play call against San Francisco. This guy's the real deal. He's this, he's that. So we don't know what he's hearing from guys because I'm sure that Tepper – is doing his due diligence on these guys. And I know about Keller Moore. He's probably calling around the league, might be talking to players, getting intel, uh, different things like that. We don't know if players are saying, hey, you know, my guy plays for the Cowboys. He told me this, 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 and this. So I'm not going to completely rule him out. But I just think from everything that you're hearing, it's hard to go against the fact that Frank Reich, it's looking like he is the guy um, as we said, the experience, the offensive stuff, and the quarterback coaching, because that's a big thing we hit on yesterday, the quarterback coaching experience that he had. And I said the most impressive thing to me was him working with Nick Foles and how he was able to adjust on the fly uh, once Carson Wentz went down and he was having an MVP-type season. But I think that that was very impressive to win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback against Tom Brady, of all people, not to mention the playoff games that you had to win and the regular season games that you had to navigate because there's going to be a new quarterback in Carolina next year. Whether they keep Sam Donald or not, there's going to be either a uh, pricey veteran here, or there's going to be a draft pick. And the scenario lo looks more and more like it's going to be a draft pick. And I think that's what a lot of us want outside of, uh, you know, Fitty back there in the back. I think a lot of us do want that new quarterback, that new blood, that new face of the franchise. So I think that it's certainly interesting, but I think that could be 
if I was to point to what could be the deciding factor between the two of them, I would think that could weigh heavily the impact that he could have uh, on a young quarterback. Well, it, part of the factoring here when deciding who the head coach is going to be, too, is is if it goes right. So we just kind of talked about the scenario if it goes poorly. But if it goes right, if it goes well, then what coach do you think is more likely to leave the franchise as a coordinator? So if you go with Frank Reich as the head coach, and let's just say you are able to get this pairing, where you have Frank Reich as the head coach and Steve Wilkes as the defensive coordinator, or vice versa, Steve Wilkes is the head coach, Frank Reich is the coordinator, who is least likely to get another job, right? Like, And so for me, I think the answer would be Steve Wilkes being the defensive coordinator. And I don't know if David Tepper would be throwing all the money in the world, top five coordinator type of job to throw at Steve Wilkes while Frank comes in and gets this head coaching nod. There's been a lot of people that have written in the text line really during this entire process, not even the last couple of days, but ever since we've had this coaching search at the end of the season, people that are against Steve Wilkes getting this job have often brought up the point, who else is interested in him? What other NFL franchise is interested? Yeah. Well, we saw from Sheena Quick, who has been reporting on the Panthers um, throughout this search, uh, search as well, that Atlanta is monitoring the Steve Wilkes situation. So I wonder if you do have that leverage play in your back pocket to where maybe you didn't for a while, but now in the last couple of days you do. I wonder how much of a wrench that has thrown into the coaching search where it's like, all right, man, now now we have to worry about this other team. But but I, I don't I don't think you were dealing with that at the beginning of this coaching search with Steve Wilkes just because we hadn't heard anything. And not to mention, I, I did not mention before giving Josina Anderson even more credit, she did say that the Panthers, that she was told that the Panthers have already explored possible staff scenarios with Frank Reich. And that is what really made me feel like that Reich has got this job in hand because they're starting to do uh, the little, you know, kits and biddles, kibbles and bits uh, with him to see what type of staff they could potentially have. So that kind of led me in that direction, too, to believe what I believe. Uh, And we know that she's well sourcing and on her game with things like that. So, um, yeah, and, and so you bring the Atlanta thing to light. I mean, what better way to try to weaken your opponent and to go grab one of the coaches off the staff that the players love. And, you know, Steve Wilkes might go and get that house in Atlanta and build that shrine up there with Tepper and Reich and all those guys and just throw darts at it and have the candles and have 400 pictures of Frank Reich in a room and go in there before every game and pledge to uh, (laughs) make his tenure in Carolina a hellish one with his defense just terrorizing him and beating them as much as possible. We're getting text via the Garage Door Guru text line. The number two text, if you want to share your thoughts or comments, is 704-570-9610. Sam DeMann wrote in, was that Frank Reich or was it Sirianni, who was the head coach in Philadelphia, that got the most out of Carson Wentz? Mm. Or, or was it Sirianni, excuse me, you know, who was also a part of this coaching staff that was uh you know Sirianni Frank Reich right and then you know you had the Eagles offense start to really put it on this year and then of course you went to the Shane Steichen mode and I was kind of interested in Shane Steichen for a while before it, it looked like he was completely out I think he lost a lot of steam the past couple of days but if you look at Steichen Sirianni and Frank Reich Reich is the guy that the other two kind of came from if you're looking at the coaching tree 
And so I heard, I, I think it was a, a guest, I forget his name already, Kevin Bone. Kevin Bone was on with Jeff Rickard earlier today, and he's a part of the radio station in Indianapolis. And they were discussing, would you rather just have the, the guy that the other two coaches learned from, where it's Frank Reich and then Sirianni, and then it's Shane Steichen as the offensive coordinator? Would you rather have one of those two, or would you rather have the guy that implemented all of that? And that's interesting because I never thought about it that way, even though it seems kind of obvious. And I don't know if there was anything tailored by Sirianni, anything tailored from from Shane Steichen as everybody starts to put their own twist onto the offensive scheme. But it might just be good to do the whole get the cow instead of getting the milk for free, right? Why <laughs> to get the cow? And so that might be interesting here, especially when I think he's done a really nice job of adapting his offenses. When you have Andrew Luck, you lead the league in attempts. When you have Phillip Rivers as your quarterback in San Diego at the time, then you're top five in attempts. But when Andrew Luck leaves and you have Jacoby Brissett, and then you have Carson Wentz, and then you have the ghost of Phillip Rivers, you start to lead the league in rushing attempts because that is what your personnel dictates is better for your offense. And that's what I like. The ability to adapt to your personnel and have the numbers to back it up. That's why I oh. like Reich to hopefully be a part of this process. If not the head coach, I'd love for him to be the OC, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, and some coaches do get stubborn with that, but I think most coaches should do that. And I think a lot of them do. And I'm just thinking, you know, when we talk about this, how hard it must be to be a coordinator in a league under a guy that's perceived as like one of the top guys. Because you get no credit. You get all the credit when your team or your unit doesn't succeed, but you get no credit. Because look at a lot of the stuff that's said about these guys. Like Eric Bieniemy, one of the biggest things. Oh, it must be Andy Reid. Or if you coach under, you know, like they were talking about with uh, Frank Reich and, and the, the disciples there. When you are a disciple of a a great coach, man, it, it's hard to, to get a reputation. I think that's why a lot of these guys want to get out on their own. And they want to prove that, that they were that deal, too. Because I know these coaches, we know they put in crazy hours. And they put in a lot of work, man. And it a lot of them do get discredited when they coach under a great coach. So, I mean, Fiddy, what are your thoughts about all this stuff with Moore? And uh, do you think that he's a part of it, or or what do you think about this? I think if you if they hire Kellen Moore, you have to ask the question. What are you doing? Because it just doesn't make sense. He's look. I know he's been a play caller for four years, and I know his numbers look good. But look at his track record in the playoffs. Look at how his offense performs in really big games. It really isn't all that eye opening outside of the win at Tampa two weeks ago in, in the wild card round. And so, um, you know, when it comes down to Frank or when it comes down to Frank Reich and Steve Wilkes, I mean, I think Reich has the much more proven track record, but Wilkes has already proven he can do it with guys that aren't his own with coaches that aren't his own. And I think that's gotta be the decision that you gotta, you gotta come to the, well, whenever you're, you're debating who you're going to hire because Steve Wilkes went six and six with Matt rules, coaches and Matt rules guys. What would he do with his own guys? We don't know. Mm -hmm. And Walker, do you think, how much do you put into the fact that they've started exploring, started to explore staff scenarios with Reich? Do you think that they've done that with Wilkes already? Or how much do you put into that, the fact that they're already looking at what the staff would look like with Reich? Well, and, and this is this is what's been interesting the whole time with Steve Wilkes, is that he has an offensive plan too. I mean, we had reports when he was coaching, before the actual season ended, he talked about how he wants a different quarterback. He talked about how there's going to be something different offensively that comes to the organization if Steve Wilkes is the head coach. But you can't do that when an offensive coordinator has already been hired and Ben McAdoo. You can't do that when you have injuries at the QB spot as much as they did with Sam Darnold, with Baker Mayfield and P.J. Walker, and none of them were all that great anyway. 
like Sam Darnold, no doubt, played the best out of all the QBs for a consistent length of time. And it's not here we are debating whether Sam Darnold should be even be a bridge quarterback, even with Fiddy, who has talked about how much he's liked Sam Darnold's performances, has not gone all in to say he should be the franchise QB. And yet they go 500. And so I've always been an apologist for Steve Wilkes for the people that say if the running game's not working, then the offense isn't working because that's true. But my defense of that is it's because of the QB, and it's because you don't have an offense that can be an air raid type of system. If Deontay Foreman isn't going, if the offensive line isn't getting pushed in the trenches, then it's going to be a rough day. And the, the the best shot that you had, if it wasn't working, was against Tampa Bay at the very end of the season. It was a big-time game because if you won, then you still had a shot to reach the postseason. And you know what? Sam Darnold delivered a couple of dime throws, and I gave him credit for that. At the end, he turned it over too much, and that turned out to be a problem, and they couldn't get the run game going. Come on! But he had some awesome touchdown throws. They were able to have some type of system when the running game wasn't working to keep them in that game. And remember, the defense wasn't all that great either, and that's you know different issue. We're not necessarily worried about that as much as we are with the offense, but that's always been my defense of Steve Wilkes. And, and I, I love what Frank Reich did. Even with Indianapolis, there's some excuses there too. Like, come on. One quarterback per year, and the best one you had was Andrew Luck, and you dominated offensively. The second best quarterback you had was the last year of Phillip Rivers' career. That is the second best QB that you had. So, ultimately, if you want to take some solace in the coaching search, dwindling down to these two guys, if you keep Kellen Moore out of this and just go to Steve Wilkes and Frank Reich, I feel pretty good. I feel like you're getting a grown-up. And I will say, I feel like you didn't really get that and you didn't get the accountability from Matt Rule. I feel like you're going to get that with both of these coaches and somebody that I do trust, at least at the beginning of this process. All right, Fiddy, let's do it, man. It's about that time. Let's get that first flash of the day. Uh, All right, guys, there is some news coming out of Dallas. I told you yesterday that some guys did not have their contracts renewed. Kellen Moore's name is not on this tweet from Adam Schefter, but Cowboys offensive line coach Joe Philbin, running back coach Skip Pete, and senior defensive assistant George Edwards did not get their contracts renewed. Also, assistant head coach Rob Davis, quality control and analytics coach Kyle Valero. Goodness gracious. He's go get some gas. And then assistant defensive <laughs> line coach Leon Lett are not coming back to the Cowboys uh. staff. So that's the first thing I have for you guys. The second piece of news coming out of the NFL is that former Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett, he has resurfaced. He has a new home. He was hired as the Jets offensive coordinator after they fired Mike LaFleur after they struggled on offense to finish the season. I think we all knew that Hackett was going to resurface in the NFL, but are you surprised that it wasn't in Green Bay? And could this be the first domino that leads Aaron Rodgers to force a trade to the New York Jets? Absolutely. It very much could happen if uh, if Aaron Rodgers' time in Green Bay is over. And we've always played this game. We have the last couple of seasons. But it looks real. I mean, I, I do think that the disconnect between Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers is real. So if that is the case, we know that the relationship between Hackett and Rodgers is very strong. We know that the Jets have an excellent wide receiver in Garrett Wilson. They are starting to build there. It would make a lot of sense in my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, he can go on up there and start losing in New York and uh, everything will be status quo, same as it was in Green Bay. But no, you guys are great. I didn't even think about it like that. I knew that he was a very heralded uh, offensive coordinator before he became a head coach. 
Obviously, he had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and those guys. But, yeah, this is looking like more of a move to get him and get 12 in New York and Gotham City, as they like to say, man. But when we come back, listen, Charlotte football making huge moves, okay? We're going to talk about that next. It's the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio, 92.7 FM, WFNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Kelly Eco of The Athletic, also the Kelly Eco, or the Ecosystem Podcast. It's a great podcast name. He's going to be joining us in just a moment to talk about LaMelo Ball, the article that he wrote for The Athletic. Had some interesting quotes about his head coach, Steve Clifford, also the Charlotte Hornets season that has not had a, a whole lot go right this year. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in your thoughts and comments. I did want to get to trophy husband writing on twitter and trophy husband said that he liked your frank reich joke fitty and i think you just said is he the right guy for the job or something like that and then you said i try at least you appreciate my humor as opposed to walker mail and trophy husband said you're not there to be his personal jester if you're laughing that's what matters cry laughing emoji face but wes even not having read those tweets said you are the jester of the show. I want people to text in <laughs> and answer if they think that Fiddy should be the show jester because I feel like that kind of is your role. Like Wes thought it. I didn't even read those tweets to him. He had no clue. That's what Trophy Husband was writing in. I feel like he kind of is the jester. Yeah, I think so. Come hither. Entertain me. Amuse me, Fiddy. Dance. Dance Do whatever I say. <laughs> Play the soundbite, Fiddy, for Cappy's Corner. <laughs> Let's visit it now. Or we will throw you out back with the wolves and snakes. Get out of here. <laughs> Off with his head. <laughs> Wake loses to Pittsburgh. Let's just d- uh, jump right. right into it. Wake loses to Pittsburgh because of some missed opportunities at the end. Wes, how painful was it to watch the Demon Deacons lose this Man, game? it stunk big time. <laughs> I was, um, you know, I knew that when they got down big early that they could come back because they just shoot the ball too well. So I figured, I said, hey, they're going to come back. Took a little bit of a break from the game. Uh, I forgot what I started watching. And then I saw that they had <laughs> come back and made it again. When it was getting ready to go to halftime, uh, we started watching a show. But then, uh, like I said, you know, Wake didn't play that bad. They shot 51% from the field. They only had seven turnovers. That would normally be a recipe for victory, right? But Pitt set a program record with 18 three-point field goals made. Okay, that's the second most for a conference game at ACC history. So when you go against a team that has a historic night shooting the three ball, then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to fare well. Like I said, tied for the second most in a conference game at ACC history, man. So it was just uh, not a great night for the Deeks as far as defense went. So, hey, man, it is what it is. And 
Got to move on and pick up some more wins. Pitt, I mean, they're having a good season this year, and that's not an easy place to play in. Yeah, I mean, they're 7-3 and three in the conference. Wake Forest now 6-4 and four in the conference, 14-7 and seven overall. How bad of a loss would you deem this, watching them lose to the Pittsburgh Panthers last um, night? Not too bad. Like I said, the ACC is tough, man, and it's tough to go on the road. Unless you have a really, really special team, it's hard to really be world worries, especially since against the better teams in the league. So, I mean, I, like I said, Pitt, they have a little bit of environment with the Brooklyn Zoo. And uh, so, you know, they went in there and took an L. A lot of teams will. We had the conversation about who the best team in North Carolina is. Wake Forest loses to Pitt. North Carolina, to be fair, they lost to Pitt earlier when they played. They're going to have a game this weekend against one another for the Tar I believe that's right. Do they not have the Pittsburgh Panthers? Next Wednesday, ne- Walker. Next Wednesday, thank you. So they are going to be facing them within a week's worth of time. So we'll see if North Carolina can avenge that loss. Do we think that North Carolina has surpassed any question about who the, te- the best team is in North Carolina? Or do you think Wake still has a, you know, has a shot to actually be that same program? No, if they could have beat Virginia, that would have got them up there. But the fact that Cal Carolina has defeated both Wake Forest and NC State and beat NC State pretty convincingly. I think that they have the crown right now as the best team uh, in the state. They haven't played Duke yet, but like I said, Duke to me is a, a struggling basketball mm-hmm. team trying to find its way. Do we feel like this was somewhat confirmation for Pittsburgh? Did we need any of that for them that, okay, yeah, they are a legitimate team up towards the top of the conference, or did we already think that about Pittsburgh even before this win against Wake? I think it's a little bit more confirmation. I I don't think it's like signed and sealed, but I think, you know, after some of the wins they've had this year with, with what we've seen in years past, you felt like they were having a good year and you were trying to see if the good times were going to continue for them. Uh, But, yeah, no, I think this is just another feather in their cap to show that they're having a good season. I think if they go on the road and they win at at Carolina next Wednesday for the second straight year, I think then you can start putting in that conversation. Because like most of the teams in this league, they haven't done it away from home. They had a chance to beat Duke on the road, and they let Duke go crazy in the second half and really, you know, dominate them on the glass. So they squandered that opportunity. If they go, though, into the Smith Center next Wednesday and, and they catch Carolina looking ahead to that first matchup with Duke, then I think you could say that maybe then they're 8-3, and 9-3 and in the league. They are a legit threat to have a double bye in the ACC tournament. Yeah, If Wake would have beaten Pittsburgh, then I think that would be a pretty big win, too, of course, because of where the Panthers are in the standings of the ACC. And they would also have that win against Clemson, the Demon Deacons would. But since then, you've seen the Tigers. Maybe you could have used that Demon Deacons loss for the Tigers as some some credence to bring them down into what you thought would be the best teams in the ACC. But since then, they beat Virginia Tech only by a point, but they did beat them, and then they did beat Georgia Tech by 20 when they won 72-51. to Clemson is going to have a, uh, a game on the road against Florida State, and then they'll hit the road once again against Boston College. Could be looking at a four-game winning streak for them before they face Miami right after that, the 20th-ranked Hurricanes. Dan Bonner talked about Clemson, and he talked about how it's natural to be skeptical of Clemson right now, but they absolutely could win the conference. I think that it's natural that you're skeptical, but I think in this case you're probably wrong. I think that they're really good, and I think that they can win the ACC. Uh, I think, though, that the you know the ratings, the net, and those kind of things indicate that everybody's skeptical of them. But I'm telling you, they've got guys on the inside. They've got guys on the outside. They can make threes. They are really a good defensive team. And every time I see them, and I've seen a lot of them, I'm more impressed by them.
I think one thing I've noticed about the ACC as we reach this point in the season, it's really, really hard to win on the road. Clemson is 12-0 at home this year. Miami is 11-0 at home this year. Yeah. NC State 11-1, their only loss to North Carolina, who is also, yes, 10-0 at home this season. The Duke Blue Devils, who we're all kind of skeptical of right now, they're 10-0 at home this year. You're going to have to, if you see some of these programs get some kind of consistent winning streak on the road, those are going to be the teams that separate themselves in this conference because that is an incredible at-home record for a lot of different teams where you're you're talking about multiple programs being undefeated when they play in their own home court. And going back to Clemson, you know, you talk about NASCAR drivers and what makes a great driver. When they can take a car that's not supposed to finish at a certain spot and they're able to do it. And I say that, folks, because that's what Brad Brownell does with these Tigers. They were picked to finish 11th in the ACC this season. I didn't expect much out of them, but they've exceeded preseason poll projections nine times in head, uh, in Brad Brownell's 12 seasons uh, as head coach, including last year, man. So he just finds a way to get the most out of the talent that he has. He'll get a couple of guys every now and then that are four-star and might be highly touted. But, man, he just puts a chip in these Tigers. I don't know what he tells them. I think he must tell them, you know, that the football players are going to get all the girls unless they start to ball out or something along those lines, man. But he gets the Tigers rolling, and they have no doubt. They're one of the surprise teams of college basketball, period, if you ask me. Clemson is, yeah. They've been excellent. 17-4 and overall record at this point in the season. Very impressive. All right, before we end the campus corner, I did want to get to the fact that Charlotte football, Biff Pogey, the head coach, and HBO are possibly teaming up for a new documentary. What we've seen is there is a scoop. I believe Agent 49 is the one to come out with this, that you're going to have a documentary on HBO about Charlotte football. And we've seen this with Biff Pogey before. His St. Francis Academy squad, they were previously the focus of an HBO original documentary called The Cost of Winning. And the documentary had four episodes with approximately two hours of content. What do you make of there being rumbles about an HBO documentary being made about the 49ers football program because of course as that being my alma mater I love it I can't wait to tune in oh man this is fantastic tremendous I can't even think of all the words to describe what this means because it gives them a bit of a one-up on the other schools in the state yeah you may have tradition over us you may have more pedigree than us but hey we're going to be in people's faces on a broad scale that's going to generate a lot of buzz for this program Uh, it's going to generate perhaps some NIL opportunities for my guys so I think that this is huge and another big step uh, in his coaching tenure so far we know that he came in talking real tough barking on cats you could say (laughs) but this is the type of move that lets you know that he's going to try everything in his power to back up everything that he's been saying. So I think that this is huge. I will be locked into it for sure. Would love to see it. Hopefully it all happens. Can't wait to see it if it actually does take place on HBO. Two more hours to go on Weston Walker, 1 o'clock hour. Coming up next, we started off with Kelly Eco of The Athletic. He wrote an awesome article about LaMelo Ball. We dive in. Sports Radio 92.7 FM, WFNZ.